Vacation with Chuck Swindoll, July 2014, on the very first Insight for Living cruise to Norway. You know, you can hardly imagine the explosive burst of colors. The floral displays almost hurt my eyes, and I'm not overstating. Norway is truly a visual feast. Relax, refresh, and create new memories. Cruise with Chuck Swindoll on board Holland America's elegant Rotterdam ship. Ah, no words can adequately describe the fjords, especially the cascading waterfalls that are tumbling down from towering cliffs above. And the weather is exquisite, warm and sunny during the day, crisp and cool through the nights. This Texan loves Norway. You have lots of options for taking a vacation, but there's only one Insight for Living cruise to Norway. Call 888-447-0444 or online go to insight.org slash events. What could be better? Daily time in God's Word, along with singing and laughing, enjoying God's majestic creation. Come with us to Norway and see it for yourself. July 26 through August 2nd, 2014. Call now at 888-447-0444 or visit online insight.org slash events. The Insight for Living Cruise to Norway is paid for and made possible by only those who choose to attend. With any blessing comes a measure of responsibility. When God gives us children, for instance, we bear the responsibility to care for them. When God gives us a skill, we bear the responsibility to employ it. Today on Insight for Living, you'll hear Chuck Swindoll teach from Matthew 25. In this passage, Jesus is telling a story, a parable, and his simple illustration delivers profound lessons on life. God has given each of his children spiritual gifts And with those gifts, we bear the responsibility to invest and multiply for His glory. Chuck titled today's message, What is My Response to God's Blessing? God deliberately did not make all Christians the same. He prefers variety. Therefore, each one of us has his or her own set of capabilities in which we naturally excel. God intentionally planned that there be differences, unique capabilities, and a lot of variations in the church. So concerned was he that we realized this, he spelled it out several times through the New Testament. The subject is commonly called spiritual gifts. That subject is as helpful as any truth that believers can ever learn. In a nutshell, here's the scoop. God has placed us in His family and given each of us a certain mixture that makes us unique and gives each one significance. That means that when we operate in our realm of capabilities, we bring benefit to the whole body of Christ. And in doing so, we experience incredible satisfaction. But here's the other side of that coin. When we don't use our gifts, the body of Christ does not benefit, and we usually experience a lot of dissatisfaction personally. In addition to recognizing and thanking God for the abilities He has given us, 
it's important that we take the next step and use those gifts for his glory. After all, we will give an account to God one day for doing so or for failing to do so. That's precisely the point of Jesus' parable that's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Listen as I read a story Jesus told his followers. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're listening to Insight for Living. Study tools for today's topic are found at insightworld.org. And now the message from Chuck Swindoll. 
What is my response to God's blessings? In his fine book, On the Crest of the Wave, Dr. Peter Wagner begins, Some things in life are optional and some are not. Wearing shoes is optional, but eating is not. Driving a car is optional, but once you choose the option, driving on the right-hand side of the road here in America is not. Becoming a Christian is optional. But once you decide to ask Jesus Christ to take control of your life, involvement in world missions is no longer optional. I'm not saying that these things are impossible. You can choose to go without eating. But if you do, you must take the consequences. You must be willing to exist at a low energy level to invite infection and disease, and if you persist, to die. You can choose to drive on the left, but you will pay fines and cause accidents. And you can reject missions even if you're a Christian. But the consequences are clear, and he lists three of them. Number one, you will find yourself sitting on the bench while you could be there playing the game. Number two, you will lose authenticity as a Christian. You say that Jesus is your Lord, but yet you will be failing to obey him at a crucial point. Another word for that is hypocrisy. And number three, you will be poorly prepared for the judgment day when what we have done here on earth will be tested by fire and only the gold, silver, and precious stones will survive. Whatever else this means, he concludes, Jesus will not be able to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Strong words, and I have been reading his book, and it is full of strong words that I need to read, and so do you, On the Crest of the Wave by C. Peter Wagner. I want to talk with you for a while about something that is optional. And by that I don't mean it's not important, I just mean it's, in all honesty, optional. You don't have to do this, but if you don't do it, there are terrible consequences that are not optional. Doing this will result in tremendous benefits now and rewards later. Not doing this will result in serious consequences in your Christian walk. I have in mind responding positively to the blessings of God. Now, the wonderful thing about God is that he gives you his blessings whether you respond well or not. That's called grace. But to go full circle in this blessing arrangement that God has set up means that you take them and respond correctly, positively to them. As I think about the blessings of God, three or four thoughts come to my mind as we get underway. Number one... God's blessings are numerous and varied. 
They come to God's children in abundance, and they come in all different shapes and sizes, different times of the day, different ages and stages of our lives. God's blessings are numerous, and God's blessings are varied. Number two, God's blessings are beyond what we deserve. That means every time God pours out his blessings upon us, we're getting what he wants us to have, never what we really ought to be receiving. His blessings come to us beyond what we deserve. This puts all of them under the heading of grace and mercy, doesn't it? And the third thought I have on blessings is that God's blessings are poured out on the just as well as the unjust. You may remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. I quote, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you're a Christian farmer and you live next door to a non-Christian farmer and it rains, God's rain blesses both uh, territories. Both farms get the rain. If the sun shines on your farm, the sun will shine on his farm as well. His blessings are poured out on the just as well as the unjust. That's very important. He gives his mercy. He gives his blessings. But the problem is the response of the unjust is not as it should be. That's where we come into the picture, helping them know how to interpret the blessings. Now the fourth, God's blessings have a purpose. That's what we talked about earlier. The purpose of God's blessings are clear, that other people might learn of this God of grace and mercy. That's the purpose for the just. The purpose for the unjust is that they might see this God of mercy and God of grace and turn to him by faith in his Son. Now, both of these things are brought into focus in Matthew chapter 25. And I want you to turn there with me. Peter Wagner quotes from this passage as we get toward the end of his comments I read earlier. And it's on that basis I'd like to have us turn to see this this particular story. As we turn to Matthew 25, we have to forget we're living in America. We have to forget we're living in the 20th century. And we have to step in the time tunnel and go back 19 centuries. And we have to put ourselves in the sandals of his followers who listened to him talk about times when his death was imminent. Now just imagine that for a minute. Not many days hence, our master is going to be arrested in the garden, uh, pushed through a kangaroo court, accused, not proven of, but accused of blasphemy, which was later changed for the sake of the Romans, to treason, declared guilty, not proven guilty, but declared guilty, nailed to a cross, and buried after death. All of those events that, that ran back to back in, in a quick fashion are upon them. They are about to lose the presence of the Savior. And he is readying them for that epical change in their lives. 
All through the discipleship process, he's been there. He has instructed them. He has done miracles. He has healed. He has raised the dead. He has prepared them for a lifestyle that will be salt and light in their world after he leaves. And he's going to come back. So the, the preoccupation of his teaching is, I am returning. I am going to return. And I want you to be ready. That's the, the thrust of these uh, things he has to say in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Now, the method of communication he uses is storytelling. That may surprise some of the profound teachers of the 20th century. Uh, unfortunately, storytelling is looked upon rather as a rather elementary method today. It isn't very sophisticated. I mean, you tell stories to children, you don't tell them to adults. Unfortunately, that's the reason many adults have never learned the deep truths of Scripture. Because we've left the simple stories and the children have learned them, not the adults. I think one of the most profound methods of communication to this day is the telling of a story. It's Jesus' favorite method. It's called in, in that day a parable. Uh, I, that's an interesting word, parable. It's actually a combination of two Greek words. If it weren't important, I wouldn't take your time for it. Para means alongside. We've referred to some ministries as being para-church ministries, para-church. They are ministries that are not an integral part of the local church, but they minister in keeping with or alongside the church. So the word para means beside. Balo, think of a ball that you toss or cast somewhere, and you've got the Greek word. To cast something or to place something alongside something else for the purpose of comparison. That was a parable. It was a simple, familiar story cast alongside an unfamiliar, profound truth for the purpose of comparing the, the information in the realm of the unknown on the basis of the familiar. And that's why when Jesus taught deep truths about the sowing of his truth in the lives of people, he spoke of a farmer who planted seeds and it fell upon different kinds of soil. And anybody can understand that. Now in this case, it isn't the story of, of, of seed that's thrown into soil, but it's the story of a man who took a long journey. It's a simple, wonderful story. But the basis of it is really um, uh, verse 13 of Matthew 25. It is his desire to get them on the alert. See, 13 of 25, be on the alert. For you do not know the day nor the hour. What day? What hour? The day or the hour I'm coming back. Now, men, I'm leaving. That's a foregone conclusion. But don't, don't lay back. Don't find a rocking chair and yawn your way into oblivion, sort of waiting for me to come back. Be on the alert. Get ready could happen any time. You don't know the day or the hour. Go back a half a page to chapter 24, verse 42. You'll see it again. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. 
Verse 44, for this reason, you be ready too. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. There will be no massive signs. There will be no skywriting. You won't be awakened in the middle of the night with a nightmare or some push from the Holy Spirit saying, he's coming in 10 minutes, get ready. There will be none of that. It will be at a time when you don't think about it and when you don't expect it. Now, verse 13 of chapter 25 is saying the same thing. Be on the alert. That's a foundational statement. The reason? Because you don't know when I'm returning. Now, in light of that urgent command with the reason following it, you don't know the hour or the day, he tells them a story. It's an imaginary story that falls neatly into four parts. Let's look at it together. First, the story has to do with um, the provisions and the departure of this man. It is, it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Don't make it complicated. And let me warn you ahead of time, don't ever make a parable walk on all fours. We with technical minds uh, love to make every uh, a th uh, whisker on every beard means something. Every color, every number, every statement have deep meaning and we just super irrigate the story. Guard against that. It's a simple story and it conveys one great truth that we hope we won't miss. But there are some symbols that are rather, rather obvious. Um, aside from the man who is leaving and the slaves who are staying, the only significant part of verse uh, 14 and verse 15 would be his possessions, which he entrusts to the men who stay. He entrusts his possessions to them. What are the possessions? Well, they are called talents in verse 15. Well, immediately we have a problem because in English a talent means something like the ability to play good piano or the ability to do a good jump shot from the, from the uh, keyhole, or the ability or the skill involved in painting a beautiful canvas. We say a person has a great talent for art. It has nothing to do with that. This is hard, cold cash. In fact, he refers to the, to the talents uh, as money a little later on. Verse 27, you ought to have put my money in the bank. So these are bucks. These are shekels. Actually, a talent wasn't simply a coin, depending on whether it was made of, of a copper or gold or silver, uh, would determine the coin. It was actually a weight. And if you take the normal sense of a talent in the days of Jesus, it would be a silver weight worth, in our day, about a thousand bucks today. Tomorrow it'll be different, but today, as best we can determine, about a thousand bucks. So we gave one guy 5K, gave another guy two, gave another guy one. He gave him the money. 
and he took his journey. Okay? So much for the provision and the departure. Second thing that stands out is the response and the report. Keep reading the story with me. The man goes on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. So he doubled his money. The master responds directly. And he says, well done. Well, there's much more we need to discover from this familiar story in Matthew 25. You're listening to Insight for Living and a message from Chuck Swindoll titled, What is My Response to God's Blessings? This is message number 10 in a 12-part series called Questions Christians Ask. To purchase the CDs or to download the audio files, go to insightworld.org. And while you're online, take a look at the convenient message mates for every program. You can download these free outline notes to follow along with Chuck's message. You'll find them at insight.org slash message mates. Well, there's a growing circle of friends who deserves our resounding thank you today. I'm referring to our loyal monthly companions. These are folks who, as today's message reinforced, give to Insight for Living out of their abundance and blessing, and sometimes with tremendous sacrifice. And we're inviting you to join these monthly companions today. The process for giving a monthly donation is quick and simple. If you choose, you can elect to automate your donation so it recurs monthly. And as a monthly companion, you can have the satisfaction of knowing you're doing your part to make Chuck's teaching available, not only right here, but around the world as well. If you're listening in the United States, call 1-800-772-8888. Online, go to insight.org slash monthly companion. And whether you opt to become a monthly companion or just give a one-time donation, we want to say thank you by providing Pastor Terry Boyle's new book, The Way of Lament, A Biblical Approach to God in Times of Pain. If you're listening in the United States, call 1-800-772-8888. When life throws us a curve, when we're truly disappointed with our circumstances, God invites us to bring our deepest sorrows to Him. This book describes how to approach God in times of pain. For The Way of Lament, go online to insight.org. I'm Dave Spiker, inviting you back at the same time Tuesday to hear Chuck Swindoll and Insight for Living. The preceding message, What is My Response to God's Blessings, was copyrighted in 1984 and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2013 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide.